Greyhound to trap one. Greyhound to trap one. How do you read me? Over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Keith. And I am John. The Steelbook of the Series 7 Blu-ray is released in the UK today, so we're going to have a bit of a chat through the stories that comprise this final series for the 11th Doctor. John, I think you're a dedicated collector of the Steelbook range, is that right? Ah, oh, you're always saying that, Mark. Um, I, I, I don't know. De- dedicated? I seem to have a, a, a stupid number of them. Well, the, the stupid number being 20 uh, by this stage. Um, but that's, that's kind of happened by accident, are, are you a are you a steelbook aficionado? I've got a few of them. I, I'm a bit late to the party with the the new series ones, but I've got all the animation ones. Oh, that's good. Um, so, which, which, which of the which of the new season ones have you got? Five and six, soon to be seven. Oh, nice. Uh, but I'm surprised there's twenty already. Well, are there though? <coughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me have a look. Um, yeah, so you've got. Sorry, this will be quite dull now. Allow, allow me to, to list them, Mark. So we've got series one, two, three, four, the specials, series five, six, ooh, seven is on its way, and then nine, ten, and eleven, is that right? No, sorry. Can't even count. Uh, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, and then there's the two Doctor Who Peter Cushing movies, uh, which yeah. have beautiful steel rays. And then the ones I think you're probably familiar with, um, Shada, which is an amazing bit of artwork. Mm-hmm. Spearhead from Space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Faceless Ones, Macroterra, Power of the Daleks, and Fury from the Deep. I lost track there. I wasn't counting properly, but I think it's about twenty. I might, I might be missing some. But so some of those, um, <clears throat> some of the early releases, I think they were Amazon exclusives. The Peter Capaldi ones are insanely rare now. You know, they're, they're those silly things that when they come up for sale, they're hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And you go, well, that's that's it's just a bit of metal. You don't mm. need it. <laughs> I've noticed that now that I've started looking for them. Yeah, the uh, I think series nine, isn't it? That that seems to be incredibly rare, rare and goes for hundreds of pounds. I think that might be the first one they did, um, right. and I, I seem to. I think it might have been the first one I bought, and I think it was, um, you know, it was kind of a decision you made when it came out. Like you bought the regular edition, or you spent a bit more and got the metal one. Mm. Uh, I've got the metal one. I'm terribly glad I did now. It's a nice thing to have. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, if that's the only thing you've got going for you, your life is probably fairly impoverished. Because <laughs> they are, I cannot stress this enough, they are just metal boxes. <laughs> Keith, are you into them? No, I haven't bought one. Good answer. That was succinct, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was accurate. It probably... I, say, I missed the first one because you said it was an exclusive. I didn't get it. And then me knowing me, I didn't want to start collecting the others. I know I'd have to try and collect all of them. Yeah. So consequently, I've avoided that particular... Uh, yeah, because for once I've avoided a, fa- uh, a fan trap. Yeah, I think that's probably the best plan. I, I 
will forever now have an incomplete collection of them. <laughs> but that's very much your your idiom, Mark. It is, although they did re-release series, uh, season 12. <laughs> so that was one one painful gap that was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. you, you know somehow that you're destined to miss season 8, don't you? Yes, probably, yeah. So that would be the last one to be released. <laughs> Uh, other than no, I, I, I meant of the John Pertwee ones. Oh, that the, one, yeah. No, I've yeah. pre-ordered that. Don't worry. All oh, right, good, good. Yeah, it's 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 the dying days that uh, I think will be the um, the permanent gap. Oh, I sold mine. It's still a very permanent uh, mark on my soul. That is, I was thinking, oh, I'm sure I could have found a way not to have sold it, but I did. But so, hope you got a good price for it. Not especially. No, I put it on eBay and it went for about fifteen pounds, which. I was kind of hoping it would make my millions, but it didn't really. So, yeah, that's someone got a bargain there. Mm. I consequently I didn't put Lungbar on, so I still have that. Wow. Oh, nice, very nice. So, series seven, uh, Keith, you were saying that the the current release has the uh, the extras in an odd order. So, pond yeah, life. Yeah, just which... a strange thing is it has pond life on disc two, which really should be on the same disc as um, Salem of the Daleks, and it's got. Um, it's sort of like there's like a later one which is like um, um, something about gold. It's uh, sort of a spin uh, going um, good as gold. It's like a um, sort of like a little skit they do for the Olympics. But that's sort of got Amy and uh, the uh, that particular console room in it, and uh, it's in the middle of a um, of a disc with uh, Clara and the new console. Just things like that just seem to be odd and arbitrarily placed, really. And some of the prequels seem to be a bit. Um, Hard to find, and you've sort of like you watch the episode, and then you find the uh, prequels. So it's uh, it's strangely structured. So I don't know if they're going to change it for this um, tin box. Yeah, hopefully. Um, like you say, Pond Life doesn't make a lot of sense uh, if you don't watch it just before Asylum of the Daleks, does it? Not at all. No. Hmm. So Pond Life, uh, I'm right in saying, was written by Chris Chibnall, wasn't it? Are you sure? It's quite good. I think. <laughs> Whoa! I thought I'd get with the zeitgeist. <laughs> oh my lord! That, <laughs> sorry, are, are there still lots of just sullen, inexplicably drab and angry men on Twitter explaining why the current seasons of Doctor Who aren't very good? Oh, dozens, dozens and dozens. Dozens of them. Oh, my goodness. They're quite easy to spot and and, and block and unfollow, though, so which is... Uh, <laughs> There's a pleasingly large number of mocking accounts, though, who sort of, like, pick them up on those more absurd things and uh, put it under a hashtag of nut my doctor, so that's... <laughs> yeah. quite, which is quite entertaining. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So the, the first story proper is Asylum of the Daleks, uh, which is a bit of a nexus point. I think it's where you and Lawrence started the Highlanders podcast. So it wasn't called the Highlanders at the time, I know that, John. And it was where I decided to start blogging about Doctor Who as well. Shit, do you know what? <clears throat> it actually is. I, I, I haven't heard that episode since 2012. I can't imagine it's very good. Is it mostly Lawrence and I going, um, hello? Because um, we, we hadn't done podcasting before, and we were only very vaguely aware of what podcasts were, and I, I don't know why we thought we'd be any good at it, with some justification, because it turned out we weren't very good at it, um, 
and yeah, and yet we quite enjoyed the process. So yeah, that it was our first podcast. Can't remember a thing about it. Well, I, oh no, I can I can remember a thing about it, which is that we left the volume of the TV turned up. So I think you can hear the episode in the background, which I'm pretty sure infringes copyright law. <laughs> I'm sorry we were drawing attention to it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. I, basically, I deserve to go to prison. And if it's for that, that's fine. Uh, well, I think you are very good at podcasting, and I, I love the Highlanders. So, uh, well, I, I, uh, God, God, God bless you, Mark, and, and thank you. You've been a, a constant support Um even through the, I think, about two years now that we, we haven't even done one. We're so bad at it. I mean, every once in a while, I, I go around to Lawrence's and we do what is basically a podcast. But, you know, I don't have any podcasting equipment. It's just me and Lawrence talking. And that's it. Lost to posterity. Um, it's kind. I mean, our USP, as, as we never get tired of explaining to people, is that we don't really know enough about Doctor Who to be of any interest to Doctor Who people. But we just bang on too much about Doctor Who to be of any interest to non-Doctor Who people. So basically, it's not of interest to anyone apart from me and Lawrence, and we're already there. So, you know, it, it's... It's, it's very difficult, even after eight years, to see what the point of it is. <laughs> That's ruthless self-promotion going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yes, it's very much um, a big billboard saying, this is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we very cruelly uh, missed the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe, which is, on the, which is in the steel ball. That's oh, fair. This, this is the series of a lot of Christmas episodes, isn't it? <laughs> Right, they kind I mean, of stuck it in because they realised they haven't uh, got it anywhere else, have they? So, uh, I yeah. think in retrospect, I might be remembering this wrong, it's possible, but I've got a feeling it was sort of like added quite late in the day to the, uh, to the announcement for the original box set, wasn't it? Well, I, I don't have an original box set. I mean, I, what I have is two stupid cardboard boxes. Um, which have the incredibly catchy titles. Well, the first one is called Doctor Who Series 7, colon, Part 1, Discs 1 and 2, uh, and the second of which is called Doctor Who Series 7, colon, Part 2, Discs 1, 2 and 3. Uh, and I've just noticed that the first cardboard box has a picture of a weeping angel on it uh, and shiny silver, and on the back it says Limited Edition Number two thousand nine hundred and eighty-eight. Oh, it doesn't say of how many. Oh, imagine, <laughs> imagine if it was three thousand. How close to the end is that? Funnily enough, uh, my part one is also limited edition. Or um, what number have you got? It makes me wonder if there was ever a standard edition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, the was, because apparently I've got it, because I don't have a little sticker. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, my, mine, sorry, to uh, to get back to your, your point there, Keith, does, <laughs> does not have the, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and the doctor uh, on it. Too many things in that. Um, it, it starts with Asylum of the Daleks. Yeah, I bought the widow... The, what was it? The widow, the oh, I knew, I knew that was what I was trying to do. <laughs> the doctor with the widow and the wardrobe on a separate Blu-ray that sat between yeah the complete series six. Yeah, hang on, I can still reach mine. Here we go. And, uh, there it is. 
Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Doesn't tell you how many they made of it. Not many, I'm suspecting. <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's, it's all right, isn't it? I don't know why it's got such a bad reputation. I really enjoyed it when I watched it. I found it really quite touching. I don't know if I was just in a sentimental place at the time. But um, no, on, on my grand rewatch, I, I, really, I was thinking, oh, God, is it this one? And I genuinely loved it. I thought it was so sweet. I, I think Matt Smith is absolutely brilliant when he's playing with... <laughs> sorry, when he's playing with children. <laughs> Stop. Shut up. When he is acting with child actors, uh, and uh, to, to, to immediately dismantle Mark's careful structure for this podcast, I, I, I really get on with Nightmare in Silver, and I cannot understand what makes people so volcanically angry about it. Um, I, I just think it's, it's great. It's lovely, and it is, it's got very much the same vibe as the, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. You know, it's that kind of... Um, it, it, it's slight and it's whimsical, but it's it's really sweet. I'm just like uh, I, one thing I did notice on the uh, on my rewatch is how much I had underestimated Matt, Matt Smith and how absolutely brilliant he was. I have to say, oh, yeah. I was really taken aback about how good he was because I'm not when he was the Doctor, my life was slightly turbulent and I didn't really pay pay me the attention. This on this rewatch now. I've, I have to say, I appreciate him so much more than I did at the time. Mm. Um, I think he's genuinely one of the greats, which prior to this, I possibly wouldn't have said that, but uh, I think he's so good. I, I think he really is, and I, I kind of... Um, I, 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 I mean, I, I love it all, but I slightly bounced off the the David Tennant era because I I, I, I didn't like the, the, the sort of romancy smoochy, kissy-kissy, lovey-dovey kind of stuff. That 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 wasn't Doctor Who to me. But then, you know, sort of during the era, you go, well, Doctor Who changes. You know, it's different all the time. But, you know, people like different aspects of it. And people loved that um, David Tennant stuff. Now, I, I, I thought it up there on the rewatch. I thought this was, Doctor Who was hardly better. Oh, you see, I, so popular. Yeah, I, I see that stuff yeah, as very, very much an outlier. In Doctor Who, that you know the the, the bit where the, the relationship between the Doctor and the, the companion is um, it's different from what it was before. And then I thought with Matt Smith, it, it slightly went back to the way I like it, which is um, detached and alien. And and yeah, you know, I, I, I just adored Matt Smith. I loved him at the time, and I, I love him still. I think he was great. No, I, I genuinely fell in love with him on this rewatch. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I think the scenes where, like the opening to Asylum of the Daleks, where he's on Scarrow. Oh, um, yeah. And he's... Look when, at the place. Yeah, when he's that serious and a bit edgy and kind of wary and stuff, um, and he really plays it beyond his years, I think he's excellent in those ones, and I, I much prefer that to the... You know, he's very, very infantilized. At times, they're the bits I don't really, don't really gel with. Oh, so citation needed. Which bits, for example? Um, I suppose to, to use ones from this box set, the so dinosaurs on the spaceship when uh, 
the uh, Rory and his dad are talking about having a Christmas list and, and putting a trowel on it, and the doctors are saying, oh, I, don't, I don't have a Christmas list because I'm whatever he is, 35, whatever. Mm. And the doctor's going, I do. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's quite funny, but um, yeah, there are bits when I can't think of any other examples, but I haven't watched these over last week. There's a few <laughs> times, and I've just thought, why are you playing it like that? Because he's he's great when he's uh, when he's doing a big confrontation or when he's he's kind of serious and reflective. But that kind of humour, I guess, doesn't doesn't sit as well with me. Maybe. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's fair enough. I <clears throat> I I don't think there's terribly much of it. I mean, there, there is some that you know there, there are some sl- and I, oh god, who who wants to be the Doctor Who fan who is looking at something that is just fucking brilliant that they have loved all their life and going, yeah, but I don't like this bit and I don't like that bit. But, the, you know, the, the, there's one or two bits in, oh, let's say a town called Mercy where you suddenly go, oh, come on, why are you doing this? Why are you pretending you speak horse? What's what's going mm. on? Uh, that, that, that slightly jar, uh, you know, with the, with the tone of the rest of the programme. But it, it's that's, that stuff is so slight and it's not... <clears throat> you know, it, it, it it's not a million miles away conceptually from that whole, you know, there's there's no point being grown up if you can't be childish kind of attitude. You know, I think, he, he, you know, he's not human. He doesn't... Um, I mean, the, the show's the, always the, had that side as well. I mean, Tom Baker was putting rosettes on K9 for no reason. I mean, yes. always had a slightly childish side to it. I think so. Yeah, you know, it's like the... the the second doctor and Jamie throwing foam around on a beach and stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. I think she was playing snap and that annoyed me at the time. She thought, don't be stupid. (laughs) 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 And so you take these things too seriously. You forget it's um, the doctor's principally there for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. It is a kids' program. <laughs> Let's face it. And yes, you you have just reminded me how much I love Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> She's so good at that stuff. He just appears to be brilliant with children, though, doesn't he? I mean, every time yeah. he has a scene with one, you can see. And I was listening uh, to one of the um, commentaries, and one of the I think the writer was saying his kids came onto the set, and how really Matt Smith was, just was with him. Was mm-hmm. absolutely um, just knows how to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's very Tom Baker, you know. He, he mm. was very very serious about how he appeared to kids, you know, he, he, in public, you know, even not on the program. And much happier speaking to kids as well than than sort of grown up fans. I think you get that impression that uh, you, you know he appreciates that, that that is who he's there for and and wants to kind of create the illusion for. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, th- there's a lot going on. In Asylum of the Daleks. Eggs, 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 which is my favourite. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, this is just the stuff that Stephen Moffat can do. And, you know, I get, I sort of get why people find him a bit arch. And, you know, I I struggled with some aspects of Sherlock and Dracula. Um, But I, I so much love the fact that he could pull the rug from under my, you know, I was in my late 40s watching the Stephen Moffat stuff and he could still pull the rug from under me and surprise me and that eggs 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 thing was mm. one of them the whole souffle thing where you know where do you get the eggs and it, the, the, the tying stuff in from like three different directions all at the same time is just clever you know that's rewarding 
It was so surprising when Jenna Coleman turned up as well. It was like, wow, she's here already. I, I know someone who was at an advanced screening in New York in the presence of Stephen Moffat. Um, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the, the, the bit where, you know, St. Oswin turns up and the whole audience kind of went, <gasps> and, and in the Q&A afterwards, Stephen Moffat said, now, you know, that bit is secret, so please don't tell anyone. And God bless him, as far as I can tell, nobody in that audience told anyone because it was just a huge surprise to me when it turned up. When she turned oh, up. I don't know anybody was spoiled. No. no. It's brilliant. Because that thing in, in Doctor Who is that you can't really kill the companion off. And, and although since it came back, it's, well, not in the modern series anyway, it's been teased a few times. It was teased with Rose, wasn't it? With the the doomsday stuff about this is the day that I die. and uh, yeah. Donna, the, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and with Donna and the, yeah, your most faithful companion, things like that. But that's, I guess this is how you get around it, isn't it? Because um, he does it here and he does it in Snowmen and it, it's unexpected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't times. like the um, the ponds getting divorced, though. I hated that. For some reason, especially watching them on All in Order, I, I really resented you had this wonderful romance and suddenly out of the blue. Yeah. It was all... It was, it was all over. I thought, oh, how did that happen? It seems so, especially in Rory sort of like sat waiting for this woman for 2,000 years. Then they were getting divorced over what? The whole of that um, episode is is massively disconcerting. You know, it's like it's like you don't really know where you are or what's going on. And, it, you know, it, it is um, kind of shock after surprise. And that that that's one of them also i <clears throat> i think the daleks plan for abducting rory and amy is unnecessarily complicated <laughs> i mean they 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 have to have a bus like in the right place at the right time with a dalek what do you call the i don't know like like a modern day robo man you know the, the humans whose heads explode with the big yeah. Ice thing I do out. have a friend who's very taken with the dominatrix lady with the ice dog poking out of her head, though. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> healthily uh, interested in that particular yeah. that, That's a niche. Yeah. Uh, that's a great idea, though, though, the sort of like zombie infected, uh, Dalek infected zombies. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of thing that would have sustained or been a much bigger part of another story. Um, and they're just one kind of detail in this, but like a really creepy. Um, and I think what occurred to me as well, they're proper decomposing corpses here, aren't they? And it's oh, really horrible. Oh, my yeah. they're genuinely unpleasant. It's not like, uh, you know, like the Vashta Narada skeletons were just kind of, kind of a bit white and plasticky. Um, these, yeah, proper, proper kind of zombie looking things. Corpses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I love those. Yeah. I, I think starting with the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the separation of. Amy and Rory, it is it, it just sort of sets the tone, doesn't it? Because it, that that's a very short arc that we're just embarking on that ends with them. I mean, you know, I think there's discussion, isn't there, in the episodes about how they have, you know, an ordinary life and a life with the Doctor, and it it, it is that sort of coming to terms with that sort of exceptional existence that they've had. You know, when the Doctor's taken out of it. It just sort of it slightly disintegrates, and they you know they have to reappraise that and get back together. I, I didn't, you know, I, I know I know what you mean, Keith. I, I think first time round, 
absolutely loathed it. But I think going back... I resented it. I was, I was surprised myself. I thought, yeah. why are you getting so upset about this? But I think I've just invested so much into them by that yeah. point. And uh, it felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth. It was strange. That's not usually the way my mind works. But obviously, in the sort of like the rarefied world we're living at the moment, it uh, took on a greater significance than perhaps it should have done. But uh, mm. yeah, it was very odd. Yeah, I, it's like um, Die Hard sequels where Bruce Willis and Bonnie Bedelia aren't together. And you go, oh, come on. Come on, we went <laughs> through all of that. Why, why aren't you happily married now? There are no Die Hard sequels. There's only one. Oh, well, do you know, this is my... <laughs> is it Die Hard with a Vengeance? Which is the one with the billboard. I hated that when I saw it at the pictures. Oh, I don't know. The third does one's it, it, Samuel L. Jackson, isn't it? The uh, Yeah, that, yeah. that's the one. Because there's, there's Die Hard, which is, I, I think... Oh, gosh, look, you know, you can tell we're recording this in December, can't you? Because, yes, it is a Christmas film. Um which is a great, you know, John McTiernan just on a hell of a run. You know, he's done Predator. Um, oh gosh, what else? Hunt for Red October came after, didn't it? Uh, and then Die Hard Two, which I I absolutely abominate. I just can't stand it. I just hate every aspect of it. Noisy, noisy, Rennie Harlan thing. And then it's re- to me, it's really significant that John McTiernan comes back for the third one does not call it Die Hard 3, calls it Die Hard with a Vengeance, makes literally no reference to anything that happened in Die Hard 2, and just does Die Hard with a Vengeance as a sequel to Die Hard. So I think, basically, you can eliminate Die Hard 2. and re- It's like it's a cheese dream that Bruce Willis <laughs> has eating a nice, a nice aged brie in front of a, you know, a roaring fire, uh, it, it just doesn't exist. Die Hard 2 does not exist. So you go straight from Die Hard to Die Hard with a vengeance. Why am I talking about this? I'm sorry. I feel I feel I drifted off topic for a second there, but I don't think anyone noticed, so we're all right. One of the things I liked about Asylum of the Daleks is, because um, I think it was one of the things that people complained a little bit about with Series 6 was the sort of uh, power of love saves the day kind of endings which you think we're getting here when um the doctor leaves amy and rory and says you know like you've got to uh you know love uh, cancels out hate or whatever you've got to uh you've got to talk to her about love um but he's actually slipped a thing on her wrist anyway um so it was just to get them back together and didn't actually have any uh, impact on whether she was infected with the zombie dalek nanites thing so I thought it was a nice little uh, subversion anyway. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of beautiful touches in it. I mean, not the least of which is the special weapons Dalek. Yeah. And all the others. Oh, yes, spotting the Dalek so, background. Yes. Yeah, and all, all that stuff about, you know, these are the Daleks that have gone mad. They're the survivors from, you know, the lists of Vulcan and Kemble and, you know, whatever. It, and mm-hmm. it's just like that, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, your, your casual viewer will not worry about it. But, you know, your obsessive fan's going to go, oh, that's that's nice, I'm being catered to. Um, but there's, there's tons in it that's really, really good. I, I love that. Um, that dreamy sequence where the uh, the ballet dance, and it turned out to be a... Uh, oh, my God. Turning yeah. around circles. Yeah. I, I, I remember finding that really striking. Mm. Yeah. I, I love the idea of him, 
erasing himself from history. Uh, and and it, it pays off throughout the series. You know, it's like people don't who should know who the Doctor is don't know who the Doctor is. And then you get to, you know, Nightmare in Silver and the cyber, the cyber oh, I can't remember what he, can, he calls himself. It's the, the cyber controller or whoever he is. Deduce deduces who the Doctor is, Cyber Planner, thank you, deduces who the Doctor is by the gaps that are there, you know, the, the, where he's removed himself. And it, you go, this is, this is good, subtle writing. This, this, is, this is nice. It pays off down the line. There's a mini scene later where he's sort of like at this information store, having deleted himself, and this chap works in this constant cycle of like realising the Doctor's deleted it, then forgetting. Do you think that was a... Do you think these things are missing scenes or they've actually been recorded? Because it's like there's one with River and the Doctor like being rain gods as well, which I can't see how they could possibly have fitted that into an episode. It must have been specially recorded. I don't think I've seen either of those two. Are, are, these, are these extras on your non-special limited edition thing? That's yeah, I know that's a steel book as well. So, I mean, they're, they're oh, included oh. in this. So they must have been specially recorded. Book. Oh. Some of them, like there's a prequel to... Um, Asylum of the Dives, which could just be a scene they wrote and recorded, then couldn't fit into the actual episode. So you think that's fair enough, but um, some of these ones actually bear no relation to actual episodes, so they must have been done specially. Wow. Mm. Oh, those were the days, weren't they? Like the days of Doctor Who Confidential. One of my, because I sort of like tweeted along as I did it, and one of my most popular tweets was like, I missed the little mini episodes. <laughs> so many people like that, but we all missed the little episodes. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of those, wasn't there? And some of them were especially for the the DVDs or the Blu-rays. Those those mini ones about there's ones like where the Doctor goes and does like a shift in an A and E and that type of thing, wasn't there? You sort of um, find out these little slices of his life between the adventures. That might be on the Series Six one, I think. This, this is all stuff that I am. <laughs> embarrassed to say is new to me i should go excavating my blu-ray shouldn't i this i think this is the first time we haven't got uh, uh confidential as well isn't it is it the first season without it oh i think you could be right yeah be around that it's not like because the uh, the discs have that these little miniature like making of things which are like five six minutes yeah and, um so the lack of uh, it's quite startling the lack of detail in them so yeah I think they were online originally were they Gosh. Yeah, I believe they were, yeah. Oh, this is so long ago as well. You see, <clears throat> I, I would have thought, you know, Confidential lasted longer than, than it did. But then I... Well, it kind of finished for the anniversary year, didn't it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> which, which, yeah, which this is. I mean, that, that, that's the other thing. You know, I was, um, uh, when Mark suggested we, we kind of revisit this, I thought, oh, yeah, it's been a couple of years since I saw this. And you look at, you know, 2012... That's five years ago, isn't it? Oh no, hang on! It's <laughs> <laughs> so eight eight years ago. Yes, these first five episodes are in 2012, weren't they? Then there was the snowman at Christmas 2012, yeah. and then part two was in 2013, the anniversary. Uh, yeah, leading. It was meant to be like a little mini movie per episode, wasn't it? Like. Uh, yeah, mini season and mini movies for those. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like the, the first the first part of the series that you know the twenty twelve stuff is that um, Byzantine you know kind of complicated Rory and Amy arc that culminates in you know the um, Angels Take Manhattan, which is it's, it's, it's a, it's a, that takes some getting through. I mean, it's brilliant, but blimey, Charlie. Um, but yeah, the um, 
the the the, the second bit of it was just it, it just felt like a total refreshing restart you know for the um for the anniversary year it was absolutely lovely and it was you know each episode uh of that that sort of first clara uh, first bit of the first clara season is totally self-contained doesn't refer to anything else it's absolutely wonderful and i think for the anniversary year the, there's these little uh hints in each one um like they represent the different doctors era almost so the rings of akatan got references oh, yeah. to uh references to susan and the the there's the grandfather thing the the, the god or whatever it's called the grandfather and it's 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 almost like the pace to begin with of her first Doctor story. It's much more yeah. emphasis on exploration and uh, and just meeting people. It's a while before the plot gets going. Uh, and what was Cold War after that, which is sort of second Doctor. I'm yeah, sorry. and Hyde is such a John Pertwee story, isn't it? Yeah, um, even to the extent that you've, you, Dougray Scott's character is a bit like the third Doctor with yeah. um, with the uh, the lady being almost like a Liz Shaw. He calls her his um, uh, assistant, you know, not his companion, not assistant. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, there's the whole uh, Metabolis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, moving on. <laughs> and and is that not where they do the um the unit dating joke about you know the 70s or it might have been the 80s kind of thing it could where be. they're incredibly rude about carlisle oh yeah. they are as well with the the opposite of bliss yes yeah what is the opposite of his carlisle yeah <laughs> uh yeah so for listeners this is where me and keith live is is carlisle and that uh <laughs> That line, yeah, it's the uh, the thing about ignorance, isn't it? Ignorance is bliss. What's the, what's the opposite of bliss? Carlisle, yeah. We slightly jumped ahead of ourselves again, and again, I blame <laughs> myself. Sorry, Mark. I think it fell apart when I'd forgotten about the Doctor with the Window wardrobe being on the set. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was slightly before the beginning, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I um, well, I like you say because that was I've got that on a separate disc. I I hadn't included it. Yeah. Um, but I, I also it was handy that I had it on a separate thing because about would be about four or five years ago now I auditioned for Pointless and I thought well that's quite good because I can just take that sleeve from that Blu-ray with me and get Alexander oh. Armstrong to sign it. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I I was not selected from the audition process so um, oh. unfortunately yeah. I know I see some of the people on it sometimes and I <laughs> I do wonder. Yeah. No, don't hold back, Mark. <laughs> this, this is bit bitchier than I've ever heard you be. <laughs> we came second in the audition as well. Um, yeah. Too clever. <laughs> was Mel there as well? Uh, no, um, it was one of my uh, one of my colleagues. Uh, we, uh, from the bank, we went along, and um, I thought you, we did you, okay. You did not. You did not ask Keith, and you didn't ask me. <laughs> I don't think I knew you that. Uh, no. Next time. We could put together a very, very specific and not necessarily successful Only Connect team. Yeah. I love Only Connect. I'm not very good at it. I would hate some time, but I love it. I'll go further. I'm dreadful at it. <laughs> I'll I'll carry you guys. Don't worry. (laughs) You be the eye candy. I'll be the brains. (laughs) Unless it's about sport or anything complicated or difficult. And I might get a bit distracted when Victoria Corrin Mitchell comes on. (laughs) Which would be the whole time. (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's well, Tyler and the Daleks, then, is it, Mark? I think so. I think uh, we, can't, we can't afford to spend this long on every story. <laughs> It should have been ticking these off because we're doing them in um, in a fairly roundabout order. That's during the first Doctor. We've got David Bradley in, in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. He's oh, a really yeah. horrible villain. I mean, he really is quite unpleasant. Yeah. Yes. I remember <clears throat> the controversy at the time on Twitter after this one going out being that the Doctor blows him up. And if he, the Doctor if, never blows anything up, does he? Well, that's it. And I, I thought the only reason that Maybe it bothered people was because it was a human villain or a humanoid villain, whereas, you know, if he blows up any number of, you know, Daleks or Cybermen or anything like that. Um, the Doctor Who fans are racists. But there was, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's right. I mean, it, it, do, it does seem a little bit on the callous side, but it's not that different from turning around and throwing a satsuma at a sycorax and shouting no second chances no or shooting an ogre on stone dead oh don't tell gruntly no <laughs> um yeah i, I remember building a gun to kill ice warriors with not even picking a gun up actually physically building a gun to uh, slaughter ice warriors in the uh, seeds of death though so. mm. doctor who mass murderer <laughs> <laughs> Is second only to Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like you say, I think there is something about um, having a human villain because later on we get uh, in the Crimson Horror, um, where you've got um, I forgot her name Gillyflower, isn't it? The uh, mm. Mrs. Gillyflower, especially when you've got you know a kind of actors that good playing them. There is something much more memorable about memorable uh, about a human villain like that. I think. Yeah, and also David Bradley is just amazing, mm-hmm. and he's such a horrible character. He kind of deserves it. I mean, he slaughtered all those um, poor old um, Silurians by injecting them into space, and and that's uh, killing yeah. the dinosaurs as well. So, yeah, I, <clears throat> dinosaurs on a spaceship. As, as fond of it as I am, which is quite fond. Um, it's it's not brilliant, is it? it it's like the um, that's like every Silurian thing, isn't it? Oh, you, you, oh brilliant setup! Right now, what's going to happen? Oh, basically nothing, and then we just like back to the status quo. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So reset it at the end. Yeah. Although it does have Rory's dad. I'm I'm not a pond. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it's boring. <laughs> there's so yeah. much going on in it I mean it flies by so it does that's true why anybody would object to it it literally like disappears in a flash and it sort of, sort of keeps going all the time so uh, I, did well, say, I did say I was quite fond of it mm. now, there's only one of this season I'm not very keen on I will keep you in suspense as to which of that is I've got, I've, got, I've got two that I slightly struggle with um, which isn't well, can you in suspense there? Um, <laughs> th- this isn't one of them, uh, because you're quite right, I like it. And I do love the notion of getting a team together. And I love the, the sort of Alan Quatermain analogue. Mm. I've forgotten his name. Uh, not Redfers, Kyle. Uh, not Redfers. Oh, God, what's he called? Um, you know, 
Yeah. Um, Lestrade out of Sherlock. Him anyway. Mm. Uh, Rupert Graves. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nefertiti and uh, Brian, uh, not Brian Pond, Brian anyway. Uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's a team. Everybody's there. But it's like nobody really has awfully much to do. Uh, you know, they're just kind of there. They've got together. Uh, and then the story sort of does what the story does. And then that's the end of it. And you go, you kind of... Well, was was it entirely necessary to get all those potentially great characters together and not really do anything with them? I think it's more of that thing of the Doctor having a life outside the Ponzu, isn't it? He's, he's formed all these relationships with these people. And, like, Amy and Rory sort of, like, getting a glimpse that they're not exclusive with the Doctor. He has a life beyond them. I'm, that's the way I sort of read it. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. But they're... The, there is something very specific about him assembling that team for this mission, like it's the Magnificent Seven or something, and then they don't really seem to do anything. I mean, that can be said of, of some of Chris Jimmel's scripts of Series 11 as well, where you end up with a, a big group of people all walking around together and standing around together, can't it? Thinking like uh, arachnids in the UK and yeah, and it, it, it's not. I mean, it's not illegitimate. You know, mm. the, 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 that's there's no reason not to tell a story that way. But it, it just it just seems like it starts out that that, that Chris Chibnall is aiming at something, mm. and then he sort of forgets about it and just wanders off in another direction. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm being unfair and, and slightly disloyal to Chris Chibnall, and I, I, I don't wish to be. Um, uh, I know what you mean. I think but, it's one of his predilections, isn't it, though, is to, uh, is to sort of get a, a big group of people around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the same happens in Power of Three, doesn't it? Uh, you know, so get, get um, Kate Stewart there, Rory's dad again, and, you know, and, and again... It's okay. Get Rory in his hospital, all of Rory's mates in the hospital, and then kind of what happens? Not that much. I think they had some problems with the with the guest star, didn't they? Um, by all accounts, uh, on that one in, in Power of Three, possibly potentially, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that it's it's a weird thing altogether. I mean, mm. if, if if we've moved on to Power of Three and have skipped over one <laughs> of the ones I have a problem with, Keith, um, <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of it builds up. Then you have this massive thing with like, oh wow, it's this mythical kind of race that that you know they scare Gall children on Gallifrey with, and it's over and done within five minutes. And you go, wow, really? That kind of it felt like that needed more. Hmm. Yeah, it seemed like they were setting him up for a return, didn't they? Stephen Burkoff. Yeah, General Gogol. No, he's not General Gogol. Who is he in? Oh, so in um, in Octopussy. Uh, Octopussy, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh, man. Oh, call yourself a Bond fan. No. Fake fan. <laughs> oh, that one will come to me. Uh, but yeah, I think I think uh, from what I understand, there were, he was um, he wasn't easy to work with, and uh, they just had to use what they uh, what usable scenes they had, and that's why he just <laughs> <laughs> disappeared. And they say, well, he was never here. <laughs> Because uh, they're too oh, old. Marlon just... Brando of Doctor Who. I rather liked it. I think the conclusion is not the best, but I think everybody's of that uh, feeling as well. It gives the impression of a, a production that 
I don't know if it's true or not, but it feels like something that's fallen apart rather, and they've sort of stitched the best together the best they can. But uh, I like the Doctor at home with the Ponds. I like uh, Kate. I think she's good. Yeah, oh, she's brilliant. Yes. Well, it's all the weird sort of medical things of people being able to survive after the heart not beating for over two minutes. But uh, and then we'll... Uh, <laughs> The strange sort of people in the hospital that aren't sort of like uh, the sinister characters aren't really covered particularly well. And the conclusion is exceptionally weak, just wafting the uh, Sonic and that's it. Yeah, and it it took those those cubes, what, like a year to realise that the the, the weakness of the human body is the, the, the heart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and th- there is some brilliant stuff in it and ag- again brian is just majestic with his video log yeah. you know the day 364 nothing's happening <laughs> and I, just, and I, 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 I sleep for a bit and then i watch it on fast forward to make sure nothing's happened and well, i like that these all the movies this is like the rom-com episode isn't it because like it mm-hmm. we've had the western we've had like the space adventure we've had, like, the horror story so this is like the the rom-com yeah, I, I love I love Brian calling unit UNIT as well. Yeah. <laughs> this, is what, this is what I call it now. But I, I have that disturbing thing, you know, the, the bit with the orderlies where they tear the masks off, topical, and and they've got the, like the, the the strange, weird kind of faces with it. I feel like you could put put a cube in there, you know, and it's like that episode of Some Mothers Do Have Them, where he's pushing the shapes through the holes. I just want to put a cube in each of their little proboscises. That's not the right word. Very good. Um, for 12 hours every day at work. I'm starting to look like that genuine. Uh, listen, well, yes, I have my face covering on for eight hours a day, which is nothing compared to you. But, Jings, it's nice to get it off at the end of the day. And then take my mask off. Ooh. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like the, the name, The Power of Three, and the way that Amy at the end, I can't remember, it's a voiceover, isn't it? And she says something mm-hmm. about The Power of Three that maybe originally the three of them were supposed to do something together that only they could have done to uh, to defeat the alien. Well, uh, it's like they've come up with a clever title, isn't it? It's cubed, right? It's the power of three, mm. you know, to, to the power of three. That's the cubic relationship. And there's three of them, and there are cubes. But it's not really kind of developed into anything. It's just like, a, hey, there's thing, cube, power of three, three of us. Also, the fact she's doing a voiceover means that she knows that she's fictional. Because yeah. You don't do a voiceover unless you happen to know you're in a drama. Unless yeah. you happen to be one of those people who goes down the street narrating yourself. And it was at this point I became a bit concerned that Keith didn't understand my internal processes. <laughs> I wonder at the time, yeah, because... <laughs> there's um because you get the voiceover that we in the uh the town called mercy and then the the voiceover by amy in this it's uh i mean i can't remember it was a long time ago whether it made it seem at the time like somebody was gathering up these testimonies it's very much a, a, an arc in which stories are being told, and at the risk of skipping over again, uh, when you know when you get to the angels take Manhattan, is it take Manhattan? Angels in Manhattan? No, Daleks. The Daleks take the angels to Manhattan. Um, they they literally become characters in a book uh, that that Rivers written will write. Uh, so yeah, you know that that sort of idea of a um, 
like a stepping back, like a like a, me, a meta text, you know, like you're uh, the the. It's like um, oh crumbs, what's it like? It's like Heart of Darkness. Have you read that Joseph Conrad thing? Yes. Where it starts with a guy telling you a story about how he meets a guy who tells a story about, and then it's that's Marlowe. Um, you know, who, who goes down the river and meets Kurtz. So, you know, you, you have these weird sort of distancing um, kind of mechanisms. And then that seems to be what kind of happens right the way through this. And I don't know if it's if it's like an intention or it's accidental or it's just the way, you know, kind of Stephen Moffat likes to write. Is that that sort of slightly emotional distance? Uh, but, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're spot on. It's definitely a motif during these, these first five episodes. Now, what what we did there in skipping uh, lightly from Dinosaurs on a Spaceship to Power of Three is we missed one, didn't we? A town called Mercy. Oh, yeah. It's a Western. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's got some good bits in it. Got a very nice prelude where the uh, chap who plays the gunslinger actually appears without makeup, but not that bit doesn't actually make it to the show, but it's uh, it's included on the discs. Carla Tech, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And I like the I like the sheriff. I like the bit where where he says everyone who's not American put their gun yeah. down. <laughs> my my favourite bit is when the gunslinger is walking slowly towards town and uses his teleporter to teleport himself three feet forward from where he is. <laughs> Accelerating his progress by, I would say, about two seconds. It's just, I seem like using how much energy in doing so. (laughs) It's like an inefficient use of your teleport. I think that's what you're doing. It's like, I'm just going to stand here, teleport myself forward about three feet, do that again, do that again, do that nearly there, do that again. It was, it's an odd thing. I I don't quite know why they chose to do that. It looks odd. Mm. Sapphire and Steel used to do that from one room to another. They used to think as a kid, you lazy devil, just walks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really hang together as a story, does it? The- I, I like what it tries to do. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it, that setting up of here, here's the good guy, here's the villain, and then you get halfway through and there's a pivot uh, and you suddenly go, all right, okay, the, the good guy was not who I thought and the villain is not what I thought. I like the end um, you know, where, where the gunslinger is basically assimilated into the town and, and sort of lives on. I, I didn't understand the role of the narrator. You know, she, she sort of narrates the thing and then at the end is revealed to be the great-granddaughter of somebody who hasn't even been in the story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like there's, there's loads of really weird aspects. I didn't like... Oh, sorry, like, I'm doing this thing again. I didn't, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Um... <laughs> I, I found some of the bits where, like, like for instance, going into the bar and ordering tea, the strong stuff, leave the bag in and all that. You know, you, you know I've seen Back to the Future Part 3. Uh, I know, you know, this isn't as good as that. Yeah, I think, like, it looks fantastic. Oh, it's beautiful. It yeah. looks absolutely amazing. But the just the setup of... Like the the gunslinger wanting to kill this guy, but not wanting to harm any civilians, despite the fact that he's he's got a teleport. About <laughs> he's got a teleport. He can see through walls. He's got incredibly sophisticated gun. Um, 
you know, you could just teleport to one side of the wall, see him through the wall, uh, and pick him off. I think there needed to be a bit more of an explanation as to why he sort of laid siege and, uh, and all the rest of it. But yeah, <laughs> this is a, it's a little. Have you? I, I don't know if you chaps are a Mandalorian fans. Yes, I just caught I, up yesterday. Yeah. Oh right, and I, I, you know, I don't know how how much. I don't. I don't know. Are, are we? Can, can we? But there's there's a bit in the most recent episode episode of the Mandalorian, which is called rather ominously the tragedy, where that's a, 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 classic, isn't it, Mark? It, oh, <laughs> do, Mark, <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't own any Steps albums. No, let, let alone three multiple copies. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Mark. We're not laughing with you. We're laughing at you. <laughs> we are rather. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we should get into that in a second. I'm now confused myself. Oh yeah, no. There's a there's a bit in that episode of The Mandalorian where a, a character comes back to claim back uh, something that is theirs, and you go. Yeah, you could have pretty much done that any time you liked, mate. <laughs> I don't know why you're choosing to do it now, which is like at a particularly complicated juncture. Um, and well, it, you look, know, if he's trying to die it down, so he will actually pity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, harsh. Do you know why Let's you got fat? Do you, do you know why you got fat in the desert? Because of the sandwiches there. Oh. <laughs> I said, Mark, <laughs> the sandwich is there. <laughs> anyway, that's the Mandalorian. Mark, tell us about your steps incident. <laughs> yeah, so I, I saw that the... <laughs> make, sure, make sure and do it at length, okay. though, because this podcast won't overrun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as I, as I put on Twitter in, a, in an unexpectedly popular tweet, um, <laughs> <laughs> the... I ordered Series 11 on uh, on CD from Amazon because it was reduced to 4.99, and I thought that's a bargain, so I got the, it ordered. The, the, the soundtrack. The soundtrack. So yeah, Series 11 soundtrack. Um, Sega Nakanola's uh, excellent score. Uh, but when it arrived, it was like Steps Greatest Hits or something like that. Um, it's something like that. It was exactly. It was exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, well, it was some pop- popular beat combo called <laughs> 90s Glory. <laughs> yeah, they're called The Steps, I believe. Page was terribly popular. <laughs> well, as it, as it was in the 80s. Oh, mind you. Lest we forget. Anyway. So I, re- anyway. I returned it and ordered it again, thinking, well, it's clearly a mistake's been made um, in the uh, the packaging of the product. And when it arrived a second time, uh, the same step CD was in the packet. <laughs> was it literally the same CD? <laughs> was it another copy of it? Did just, you mark it up? <laughs> they maybe just put it in a, take it out of one envelope, put it in another one and send it back. <laughs> hey, send that Mook in Carlisle the step CD again. <laughs> And then uh, 1,500 messages later... So I, did a, so I did a web chat with them, and I said, look, this has happened twice now. And, uh, and, and, and the other thing is, the couple of times when, before when I've returned things to Amazon, if it's something that's very low value, and, and this step CD is only selling for about three ninety nine, <laughs> they've just said, well, just refund you. <laughs> yeah, just refund you. Don't, we won't, don't bother sending it back to us. And especially during a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but they said, no, you send it back and we'll, we'll get a refund. So, and I said, what about the CD that I actually want? And they said, order it again. It'll be fine. I was like, are you sure? And they said, yes, definitely. <laughs> so. 
Mark, do you think you're actually cut out to own physical media? <laughs> it just seems to be a litany of disasters. So, was it third time lucky? It wasn't third time lucky, no. The third time. Oh. The third time. What did they send you, Mark? <laughs> I, got, I got steps, greatest <laughs> So then I, I tweeted them and they said, no, do another web chat. Uh, so yeah, I went and did a web chat and the upshot was, I said, look, I, I still really want <laughs> series 11 of Doctor Who soundtrack. Um, and they said, well, we're going to have to withdraw it from sale, I'm afraid. So I've, I've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> I'm worried that I've ruined, um, Sega Nakanola's Christmas. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, that some, some royalty payments won't be, uh, won't be making their way to them. So, uh. So, yeah, basically, if you can't buy it this Christmas, that, that's why. On the other hand, you revive Steps' career, so swings around. They can eat this Christmas. Yes. So I've had to make three trips to the post office during a pandemic <laughs> to uh, to get my money with back. The, with the same CD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does everyone in Carlisle now know you as the Steps guy? Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, everyone would have been getting. Everyone's shouting tragedy at him. <laughs> <laughs> everyone would have been getting them for Christmas if they uh, if they hadn't made me send them back. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it would. You'd have to find that that sliver on the Venn diagram of people who are steps if step fans enough to not already own the <laughs> the greatest uh, the greatest hits. Um, who were old enough to still want uh, physical media. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a town called Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a town called Mercy, I think it is an interesting idea of the guy who was this kind of Davros-like figure, but then became good, and how the Doctor handles that. But it's a bit of a cop-out ending that he just blew himself up, isn't it? Yeah. I just see Ben Bowder again, though, after all these years, after Farscape. So. Still looking rather easy on the eye after all these years. You never saw Farscape. No. Oh, like, the Muppets uh, in Space is quite good. Yeah, I, I, the one I missed as well, I'm afraid. I, I do feel foolish for that. Keith, you have to provide the Farscape banter. I think we're overrunning enough as it is. So, Town Call Mercy, it's not that bad. It's just. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I have a bit of a reticence towards Westerns. I thought, oh, well, I'd struggle with it. And I actually quite enjoyed it. So, uh, I, I, I love a Western, and it's, it, it is one of the two that I would skip on a rewatch of this series. It could have done with a regularly uh, a ballad played regularly through. Oh yes, that would have turned up no end. But that is totally what is missing. Yes. Yep. Is it? Um, I haven't seen it for a long time. Is it High Plains Drifter where they they repaint the town and make them think there's more people there? That's Blazing oh. Saddleton. <laughs> <laughs> High Plains Drifter. I, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it, it, not paint it red or something. Where, yeah. where that from? I think they, I think they might paint it red. It, but it's, it's sort of, um, it's a doing sort of trickery like that. It's like rewatching it this time made me wonder if, if that was what it was um, riffing on a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it didn't seem kind of awfully steeped in Western law or, or even particularly interested in um, sort of referencing classic Westerns. It didn't seem that excited. Because the, the idea about um, how, how badly you can transgress and then recover yourself through good work being repentant yeah penitence mm-hmm. that that sort of thing that's a really interesting ground to explore and they, i don't think it's really done you know it, it it's sort of um it's sort of covered uh, but not not in a satisfying way and then there are these just weird lurches you know from sort of fairly broad comedy into massively complicated ethical issues uh, that, that just I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get between I, I couldn't change gear that fast um, so that I mean that that's that's my problem with it yeah it doesn't you'd think they would make the um, make the comparisons with the doctor uh, sort of post time war having committed a terrible atrocity and trying to make amends for it but it's it's sort of there and not really picked up on it. Doesn't there's nothing in the doctor's performance that makes him think it's echoing his own experience, is it? No, uh, well, not that I got certainly. No. no. It's filmed in in Spain. There's this. Uh, I think it's where they they filmed a fistful of dollars as well. Um, this uh, this western town. On the extras, uh, they run off quite a list of um, things that recorded them. Yeah. Well. A couple of years ago, I we went to Seville, and um, you know the uh, the series Travel Man with uh, Richard Ayoade. No, uh, no, but I, I, I'm aware of it. The uh, we watched the episode of that where they go to Seville um, before we went, and they visit that town, and they um, they do sort of horse riding, and and uh, you know they do sort of like stunt workshops and that type of thing. Um, I went to Seville. I thought, well, great because I can I can tick off some two doctors locations here. <laughs> I saw, I saw you do it, and we. Yeah, uh, it was yeah, it was. We both had a fantastic time. <laughs> when you say we both had a fantastic time, I'm worried that the camera didn't pick up the sense of wonder that Mel must surely have been feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes these things don't don't translate, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but when we looked into it, it's actually a four-hour drive from Seville, so it would have been an eight-hour round trip to uh, to uh, to visit the Italian Mercy locations. And I think <laughs> that may have gone down even more poorly. Presumably, wouldn't have been occupied at the time, so you're just basically looking at empty buildings. Yeah, and I think I think with Mel, it might have gone down even more poorly than um, dragging around looking for the sort of fountains that Colin Baker <laughs> washed his face in. Uh, <laughs> the two doctors. So it seems like an opportune moment to move on to Angels Take Manhattan. Yeah, this one, like you say, I think the whole book idea is is brilliant. I love that. The idea that once they've read it, it becomes set. Um, it's, it's just really, really clever and, and uh, you know, kind of a you know, frightening thing, isn't it? That uh, That's ultimately why you can't go back and see Amy and Rory is because he reads in the book that that he didn't. I found the idea of the hotel incredibly creepy as well. People are just left, basically just left there to age to death mm. and are fed off while it happens. And it's really horrible to think about it because there must have been like hundreds of people that's happened to. Yeah. 
It's yeah, and it, it's beautifully executed. I mean, uh, that Mike McShane, who I remember as the shouty man from Whose Line Is It Anyway, yes. is just fantastic in it. He's really, really good. I mean, he doesn't have, like, a huge part, but that, you know, it, 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 it's menacing. Oh, he's uh, very villainous. Well, he always seems sort of quite an affable chap in real life, so it's yeah. a acting role for him. That whole stuff about Rory, and it's actually just like, was it leaving for the babies or the children or whatever he yeah. says? That's terrifying. I think, yeah, because there is something quite like vampiric about the Weeping Angels anyway. They've got the, the sharp teeth and they're sort of like draining the victims and um, and that kind of vampire thing that there's, there's rules that, that govern their behavior, isn't there? You know, about, you know, what they can do. It's, and, and this kind of makes that a bit more explicit, doesn't it? Just, uh, you say having that just farm and just endlessly feeding off people. And they're a bit more like themselves again now, aren't they? Because in the, uh, the previous one, they were sort of like became sort of neck breaking generic monsters, didn't they? But this time they're sort of like, they're more, they're using time again as their uh, weapon, aren't they? Yeah. An idea they can, uh, I guess, the other kind of vampire sort of thing, the way they can turn other statues into angels. Um, obviously, uh, the, the culmination of which being the um, the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was that a step too far, perhaps? Oh, it looked good, though. It looked great. Yeah. It's a visual medium. It looked brilliant. So it mm. makes no sense at all, admittedly, but it looked... I, I, I didn't like that. Oh, cool. I was more disturbed by the fact that River would rather break her own wrist than admit sort of like oh, any sort of like, um, weakness to the Doctor. That, mm. that was genuinely horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't speak well. a creepy edge to their relationship as well. I thought that's really quite unpleasant. If she would rather do that to herself than admit to the Doctor she has uh, any sort of frailty, that's... Um, bit disturbing mm. yeah I, I th- this is one of the, <clears throat> the 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 underlying aspects of 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 the the, the Stephen Moffat episodes that I, I'm I'm less fond of is that that this sort of slightly weird approach to relationships and power dynamics and things like that and things things that look like they should be friendships and, you know, sort of relationships that involve mutual affection and things that just seem to involve a lot of kind of hitting and undermining and uh, uh, minimising and stuff. It, it, it's, it's difficult to put my finger on. And, and, and again, it seems unfair to be sort of picking at this thread when the, all of the rest of the tapestry is majestic. But, you know, it, 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 it's a thing that never quite sat comfortably with me. Mm. Do we like River? Oh, love her. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well, actually, maybe I, I love Alex Kingston. That might, that, might be, <laughs> that might be more accurate. But yeah, it's a great idea for a character. And, you know, that um, introducing her at the very end of the relationship and then, you know, living it out not chronologically is fantastic. I generally like her. I think, I think there's times when you get a little bit tired of the same catchphrases and quite smug delivery of lines but I generally like her I like her in this one I, I'm <clears throat> not terribly familiar because I'm a bad fan thanks Keith um, <laughs> I, I'm not very familiar with the whole Bernie Summerfeld thing Summerfield thing but that Summerfield fell you, you know who I Summerfield, mean Summerfield yes yeah. yeah I mean that she is also 
Not she's not a time-travelling archaeologist. She is, yes. Right, okay. So, I mean, there's some consonance there, and I know there have been big Finnish things where they've both sort of been in the same episodes, but it did, what, was River a sort of a, a bit of a go at having Bernice within the Doctor Who continuity on TV, or have I got that wrong? I think it's um, a coincidence, really. I think having an archaeologist is quite a a useful character to get to sort of like ancient events and like digging things up and uncovering things, I think, more than anything. I've never seen, though, because, I mean, it's not impossible for the Doctor over the years to have met two people with the same job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think... um, Admittedly, it's rather rarefied one of time-travelling archaeologists. (laughs) They are are fundamentally very different characters. I have a friend, a, a, a good friend that I've known for many years, and we, we share a massive affection for Hill Street Blues. Uh, and uh, he maintains that the only unrealistic aspect of Hill Street Blues is that you have a massive precinct of policemen, none of whom, uh, of whom none have the same name as each other. They've all got distinctive names. Whereas he says, you know, if you have a workplace and there's like four blokes in it, two of them will be called Andy or Mike or something. And, then, you know, this this is how you tell fiction apart from fact. It's like in fiction, you never meet somebody who has the same job or who has the same name. It's always different and distinct. So I, I, I think you're wrong there, Keith. It's the science in the library. They do that, don't they? There's two Daves on... Um... Oh, proper Dave. Yeah. Yes. On yeah but rivers, the fact they have uh... to make a point of that sort of proves the point, though, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that, that is how it works, because there's a guy I, well, when I'm in the office, sit next to, who's also called Mark, but spelt with a C. Is he proper Mark? So we, we're Mark with a C and Mark with a K. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, I think I've, I've seen Steve Moffat say it's the, the time traveller's wife, isn't it, that's, um, that was a big influence, I think, on the idea of River Song. The, is it Audrey Neff, Neffenberger? Yeah. I don't know how she pronounces it. There's a, it starts with an N, yeah. and it ends with an R, and there's a whole big bunch of fucking Fs in the middle that I don't know what they're doing, and there's more Ns and some vowels, so I just say Nthninger. Um You like that book a lot more than I do, Mark. I, I, I quite like it. I mean, it's a long time yeah, since I've read it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's Stephen Moffat quite appreciated it as well. It's quite some time since I read it, but I, I did enjoy it, yeah, uh-huh. at the time. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a, there is a copy of it on the Doctor's bookshelf at one point, isn't there? But I think it's not until a Series 8 episode. Yeah. Mm. I think it's uh, it's an interesting idea with it in, in the book. It's not really the, the thing to do with River of Song, but the idea that if... Uh, you know, if you tell somebody as a child, well, I'm I'm the person you're going to marry. Uh, I guess it's a bit of a thing about free will or or grooming or grooming. Yeah, uh, but now now I'm saying that there is a Twilight. there is a particular thing with the doctor meeting um, both Amy yes, and Clara is. as yes. little girls, isn't there? <laughs> yes, yes, there really is. <laughs> but yes, you you sort of put your finger on what I don't like about it. Mm. Do we like the Pond's exit? I, I would have liked it better had there been some closure with Brian. I, I, they opened mm. it up and then didn't close it. You know, that whole kind of look after them, make sure they don't die. And they don't, you know, they have long and happy lives. Um, but Brian only gets to find out about it in that animatic that doesn't seem to be an extra on any of the Blu-rays I've got. No, can't find it. Mm. Maybe it'd be in the steelbook. 
No, no, Mark, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) The steelbook is just going to be the discs that already exist in some metal. Maybe when we get the uh, the Blu-ray collection that will match all the classic <laughs> series ones, it will be in there. Mark, you're so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> They're bound to do that, I, I assume. Yeah, we've been waiting for the webisodes all this year, haven't we? But they've gone season two and they've never materialised. So. Yeah, we'll probably, probably get the full length Doctor Who confidentials as well, not the cut down ones. Yeah, because they've, especially that first series, they had a lot of um, classic doctors, didn't they? They had Peter Davison and, and Colin Baker interviews, which um, I think were all excised from the, the cut down ones, as I remember. I might be wrong about that. The, Personally, uh, I think I'd rather they'd um, done a, just sort of like decided to stay at home, just have the doctor visit occasionally. There's no reason why they couldn't have stayed friends. Yeah, I'll in the background. He could have just like, said to Gloria, I've just been visiting AB, and then uh, we'll go somewhere else. It, um, yeah, I like the way the uh, Power 3 was going. I felt a bit, uh, it was a shame that they had to do, I know it was, I suppose it was more dramatic, but mm. in a way I think I'd have preferred it if they just like, decided to stop. Mm. That, that whole, you know, oh, we can't go to New York because of all the complicated time streams and stuff like that. It's like, well, I dare say you can't, you know, go to Maine and catch a bus. It's like it's not, it's like not, not like New York was completely impenetrable to everybody all the time. You, you know, there would have been ways of getting there. You Especially when your lead character is more or less immortal. Just go back 200 years and wait. Yes. I mean, it's not that bad, is it? But wasn't it the fact that he read in the book that he never saw them again that made it true in the same way became, all the other stuff about River's Wrist and, uh, and everything else happening. Yeah, became fixed time. I don't know, but you, you know, you can argue your way out of that, can't you? Yeah. You just go back to New York in the return of Dr. Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we noticed that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. um, but I suppose it, it's the, uh, where, where the series starts with them, uh, you know, looking at a divorce and then by the end of it, they, they choose to be together, but, separated from their own time and everybody they knew and the doctor and, and Brian and everything. It, it, yeah. There's an arc there, isn't there? It, it absolutely is an arc. Yeah. And it, it, it is the way <clears throat> I think, uh, with, with Stephen Moffat in, well, I think he did it three times, you know, is that you start, you start, you know, with a, a like a totally fresh start, you've got your characters Everything's lovely. You do individual stories, and then he starts convoluting it uh, or making it convoluted, you know, and, and twisting things. Because because I think he can't help himself, and God bless him for that. Um, so you know, the the Amy and Rory thing starts quite lighthearted and ends up in a just a massive guggle. Uh, same with Clara. Same, I think, potentially with. Um, the, uh, Peter Capaldi and uh, uh, Bill Potts. You know, it, it's like it, it, it starts one way and then just becomes complicated. It doesn't. It doesn't just skip along. Uh, you know, it, it just becomes denser. Mm-hmm. There's a thickness of the semiotic text. Probably, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. <laughs> it's quite nice about the current era is that the the companions seem to be having a, quite a nice time and. Not particularly angsty time, and they're just sort of friends, aren't they? Which is, uh, yeah. you get the feeling they could leave at any time without too much distress around. It's lovely, isn't it? They'll probably turn out at Christmas, they'll get slaughtered or something, we'll find out. But, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think Graham could get COVID. 
It happens to the best of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> 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 no, he doesn't, because he got filmed uh, prior to all that, didn't he? So yeah, I think Phil's actually said it, it doesn't get mentioned. Well, speaking of Christmas, uh, we've got the, the snowmen next, or this is where oh, the, uh, the halfway point of the... <laughs> Halfway point of the series, uh, more or less, is... Um, is this ha- halfway through the podcast, is it, Mark? Well, we, we, <laughs> we have talked about some of the second half. <laughs> I've ticked those, I've ticked those ones. <laughs> There's no going back. I, I, I love the snowmen. I, I just think it's brilliant. I, apart from, it's like, you know, skidding along, beautiful, 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 get to the end, oh my God. What have you done? Hmm. It's Christmas Day. Why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> but it, it's there's so much in it to love. Mm. Uh, the opening title, the new TARDIS. Oh, the beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And the new TARDIS and I, interior is beautiful, isn't it? It's, uh, it's 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 probably my favourite new series interior. Oh, it's perfect, deal. Mm. And I love that whole notion of the TARDIS just being parked up on a cloud. Yeah, uh, I, I think that was that's beautiful. I, I'm, you know, I'm not a, traditionally a massive massive fan of the um, uh, uh, Vastra and Strax and Jenny, but they're so, they're so good in this. It's just, yeah, shall I fetch the memory world? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's an incredibly funny sequence, a protractedly funny sequence uh, where. Uh, well, the, the Clara analogue, whose name I have forgotten. Um, no, it's gone. Uh, d- just can see what is happening and just mm. sits there watching it unfold, being completely unthreatened by it, which is, is, is absolutely wonderful. I love the fact, I, d- I didn't really pick up on this first time round, um, that the Doctor doesn't recognise her because he never saw her in Asylum of the Daleks. We, mm. we saw her, we know what she looks like, but he didn't, he just saw her as a Dalek. So, you know, he, he, he I think we should have seen more sort of like uh, Clara avatars before we met the main one, though, because he seems to jump to the conclusion he's met her before. I say, he's only really heard a voice. Well, I would really recognise anybody from a voice previously and put the two and two together, it was the same person. So I wish we'd have just had like one more story where he met sort of like another fragment before we um, met Clara Prime. Mm. I think they've done it in comics and things, have they? But uh, and the great intelligence um, is back. Well, the, the great intelligence is there for the first time. This is so. I, what I understand is that they knew that the film prints of the Web of Fear had been found. So this is why the great intelligence makes this, uh, an appearance in this series. I think, isn't it? Oh, lovely! And it's the biscuit team of the London Underground. I love that mm. bit. Really? Love yeah. I love that whole <laughs> Sherlock Holmes thing as well. Yeah. It's like, do you, do you have a goldfish called Colin? No, I thought not. <laughs> I think it's called the Snowmen, and uh, well, the opening is a bit like the Snowman, isn't it? The um, the Raymond Briggs thing, where you've got that sort of lonely child and the the Snowman becoming his friend, but um, instead of like the sort of heartwarming. Uh, <laughs> kind of venture they go on this it, it, it subverts that a lot and it's this uh, it's, 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 a, it's another one of those things where, where sort of Stephen Moffat j- just draws things in uh, from different directions so this whole sort of homeopathic notion of water having a memory and he just sort of makes it go oh yeah it does look and <laughs> and then that that notion that um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the uh, children's father 
doesn't matter. But his wife has drowned and wasn't, you know, her body wasn't found for a month until it thawed out. That was the governess. Yeah, and, oh, governess. And Vastra has this one-word thing uh, with Clara, uh, you know, sort of to, to see whether or not um, it, it's appropriate to introduce her to the Doctor. And the word Clara comes up with his pond, you know, because of, you know, how the governess drowned. And, of course, that's the thing that, that piques the Doctor's attention. You go, yeah, that's that's actually quite clever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I did not see that coming. You, you've done a clever thing. You had a pond, you seeded that, you didn't call it a pond, then you did, and now I understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Did you both think at the time that she was going to be the uh, companion proper? Yep, yeah, I did. Because sure, I, yeah. I was so surprised when she died. Definitely. Yeah, it was, it was a massive shock. It, that mm-hmm. absolutely ruined Christmas. Yeah, and I was quite enjoying the idea that it would be, for the first time, a companion who wasn't from present-day Earth as well. I thought yeah. that, was, uh, that was quite an exciting idea. Yeah, it was amazing. And she, she kind of passed all these tests. You know, it was like... Um, he, you know, he walled himself off to the doctor. Had walled himself off to such an extent that you know he wasn't going to take another companion. And then she gets through every single obstacle he puts in her way, and then she dies. It's like that's just that's brutal. It's really harsh. Yeah. And right at the moment when he's going to give her the key and invite her aboard, yeah. and, and in, in yeah. you know what is usually the sanctuary of the TARDIS, even. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's even more the most shocking bit. Yeah, she'd actually got inside where you normally think people are going to be safe. So yes, mm-hmm. that was a double blow. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's one of my favourite Christmas ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like last Christmas, I love as well. But I, I I just thought this was fantastic. Quite a few little prequels and like mini scenes and stuff on the disc as well, sort of like setting it all off. So there's uh, a bit sort of explains how Strax is alive. There's a bit sort of like. Where you see Clara for the first time. It's a bit where you sort of see the uh, the Paternoster Road gang trying to uh, convince the Doctor to like get involved and stuff. So uh, there's lots of little extras for this episode as well. I don't think I remember those. I don't remember. Don't remember how Strax survives. Something to look forward to when the uh, when the discs arrive as well. They're basically just sort of like uh, the leaving. He's been revived and decided to say, "Do you want to come and be a butler?" Basically. So. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Terribly deep, it is quite entertaining. So. Yeah. I love, I love that little trio. So I know they, they, they are, they're so good. I, I, you know, when I said I'm not a massive fan of them, it's just that um, I, I, I remember at the time people lobbying for a series and stuff. And very close, like, apparently. Very really. Close. And mm. uh, Moffat was sort of struggling with all his other commitments, and it would have been phenomenally expensive. But it was really, it was discussed at quite a high level. It was in the recent. Uh, Big Finnish magazine that um, interviewed him, and he mentioned that. So, yeah, it got quite close. Oh gosh! But you know, bear in mind, Keith. I spent most of the sort of eighties, nineties, and noughties thinking, "Oh well, thank God they didn't do a Jago and Lightfoot spin-off. That would have been dreadful." And then you hear the audios, you go, "Well, these are fucking majestic." <laughs> <laughs> they are brilliant. I, well, I've only seen the first um, Paternoster uh, box set. Heritage is called. Um, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, they're, they're such good actors. I mean, you, you cannot go wrong with them. I, I, I love Dan Starkey. He's got such a yeah. comic timing. He's great. He was the, um, the, all three of them were at the Big Finish Day last year on stage together. Um, wow. uh, yeah, and, and yeah, Dan Starkey, uh, he's, he's brilliant. 
just brilliant on stage, really funny. And I think he writes some of these stories as well now as well, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Mm. Fantastic. So then we go to uh, The Bells of St. John. So we're, we're into 2013 now, are we? We made yeah. it. Yeah. How were the Olympics for you? Apart from Did David <laughs> Tennant not like flame, it was just ruined it for me. <laughs> 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 he spent to light it and he didn't, so no, yeah. all ruined uh, it. Ruined. I remember watching that closing sequence. I was like, no, there's going to be a Doctor Who thing. There is going to be a Doctor Who thing. And I heard Kate Bush is going to be here. And then you get to the end, and there was no Doctor Who thing, and Kate Bush wasn't there. Well, that was the end of that. And she wasn't holding the first replicant. David bloody Cameron. Sorry, she was. She wasn't. <laughs> so, yes, 2013, The Bells of St. John. Yeah. I think... so people seem to be quite down it. I don't know why. I think it's great. I, it's great. Some of the best music in the series ever. Yeah, I, like I, I seem to remember a, a Carlisle Doctor Who fan being interviewed on the radio about it. Am I correct? Um, I, yeah, possibly. It was something uh, somewhere around this time, I think. No, it was um, it was after Hyde. I think it was. The, oh. uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he was the one that mentioned Carlisle. That was the. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. That that's right. Cumbria gets a mention in Saint John, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, that's where he. Yeah, the monastery is in Cumbria. Yes, that's uh, that's because after Hyde. Um, I wrote a blog about how like Cumbria's never been mentioned in Doctor Whoever, and then suddenly in this series, it was it started being mentioned like every week. Because another one where they talk about going for scones in the Lake District and things like that, uh, as to whether it was actually leading to anything. And um, yeah, somebody from uh, Radio Cumbria phoned, and uh, and I went in and talked about it. <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Obviously, uh, it was just a coincidence. Well, one of the things I very much liked about the Bells of St. St. John was um, knowing the title and not putting it together that yeah. it was the phone. <laughs> you know, so as soon as you see it, you go, oh, for goodness sake, of course, that's the, right, St. John, the phone's ringing, I understand now, but I didn't put that together. It's another one of those Stephen Moffat hidden in plain sight things. Yes, I don't. And I don't. I didn't see that anybody put that together. But yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as it happens, you do sort of go, "Oh God, yeah, of course." Yeah. I know somebody. You know, <clears throat> when posh people have the surname Saint John and they pronounce it Sinjin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I know somebody who thinks you should pronounce it Sinjin's ambulance and Sinjin <laughs> the Baptist and stuff like that. Sorry. <laughs> People think it's quite a fluffy story, but it's actually horrible. Oh, it's like mm. Hundreds and hundreds of people are trapped in this thing, scared. I don't know where I am. Don't I recover. Can... Yeah. If they've been there for so long that the bodies have died, that's it for them. They're just turned yeah. off. And that's really quite dark. And especially like the character at the beginning, you sort of like he introduced you to the plot, and he's one of them. Mm. And presumably dead at the end of it. So it's mm. a lot grimmer than... Um, if you think about it, and you predispose originally. It's another great intelligence plot that I, I, don't, I don't quite understand <laughs> kind of what's going on. But it doesn't sort of matter. It's like the, 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 the plots, the, the background that offsets the stuff that's going on in the foreground, which is the Doctor realising that Clara, who has got his number from the woman in the phone shop, um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, so gradually putting together who she is, or, or not putting together who she is, but realising that he's going to have to. And that, that's the important bit of the episode. But yeah, it's lovely. There's, 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 there's so much that's fun in it. Yeah, and I think, I think what you're saying there about the, uh, the people whose um, you know, minds have been taken out while, you know, in some cases, their bodies are destroyed. It's an idea that Stephen Moffat picks up again for 
death in heaven, isn't it? The um, yeah, at the end of series eight, um, he realizes, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he realizes that there's uh, there's more kind of really dark potential to be mined there, and, and takes it to the, <laughs> the logical extension. I think yeah. the about this one is as well. I remember watching it the first time. Is that you? You know, there is a possibility that you think Clara's going to die because of the previous two um, yeah. appearances. Uh, and then when she is absorbed into the, the cloud, uh, you think, well, that's, that's another one. Um, you know, is, is, is she going to play a different aspect of Clara in every episode of the series? That'd be good. Mm. That is a, it's a good episode. I, I, I just, I, it's strong, and I remember enjoying it a lot. You know, particularly after the, yeah. the slightly sort of doomy aspects of the end of the first five episodes and mm. that that ending to the snowman. It was nice just to have something that just rattled along. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just it's good fun. So it's the great intelligence as well. Is, yeah, as, as we talked before about the Doctor uh, meeting Amy and Clara and sort of imprinting on them when they're young is the great intelligence is, is you know, set, setting up as a mirror of him here because <laughs> with Simeon in the snowman and then um, is it Kislet, the, um, the woman who's the leader of the people in the oh, Shard. Yeah, well remembered. It's Celia Rimri, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the same thing because when she, when she um, reverts at the end, she's a little girl again, isn't she? Which is obviously when, when the great intelligence first took control. So it's, um, yeah. it's like a dark mirror of the Doctor in a way. Yeah. She's getting quite grim for her because she's going to be like a little girl trapped in an old woman's body. Yeah. Forever, presumably. So. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty horrible idea. I'm always looking for the darkness. <clears throat> so, the Rings of Akitan. Um, so, this, this is the same before. It's, it's where there is um, a little bit of a, uh, little kind of allusions and uh, and homages to uh, to each of the, the classic Doctors in the in the run up to the fiftieth. Here, I feel. Um, yeah. This is one of those ones where I, I genuinely do not understand why people hate it. I just yep, think that yeah, here, Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's beautiful. There's so much in it that is beautiful. There's quite a lot of singing, um, but there's the, uh, Neil Cross is is tremendous. I think even even when Neil Cross is a bit rubbish, right? It, uh, he, he's brilliant. He did a thing called. Um, I've just been thinking about this recently. He did a thing in. 2018 called Hard Sun, uh, which is like um, like a detective series. You know, he's kind of famous for Luther and stuff like that. Uh, Hard Sun is a detective series, but it's based around these two detectives who have uncovered oh, the end of the world intelligence yeah. that the the sun has basically stopped working. Oh, and yeah. That, yeah, and it's like it, it never went anywhere, but it, it's the, um, I remember watching it thinking, well, this is <clears throat> it's sort of rubbish, but I'm really intrigued by it. And then, you know, once we got into ju- just this fucking COVID nonsense, sorry, the, the, I mean, COVID is not nonsense, it's a, a real existential threat, the, the whole of 2020 has been absolutely ridiculous as far as I'm concerned because it's been nothing like I've lived through before and it's a bit like Hard Sun it's like a, th- a, 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 a suddenly there's a threat that exists in the world that you cannot escape right it doesn't matter where you go it's it, you know it, it, it's going to affect you because it's it's planet wide it's a you know it's a it's a real thing and I, I, I think it's odd that Hard Sun hasn't been rediscovered in the you know the, the, this era and I think I think it might be 
You know, mm. I think people might go back to it. I mean, Neil Cross always said he had like five years worth of plots worked out for it, but it just got it got cancelled after the first one because nobody liked it. But I think it was just slightly ahead of its time. Mm. Yeah, anyway, probably not close to the knuckle now, isn't it? So it's well, uh, yeah, maybe. gone too far the other way now. People want yeah. plots. <laughs> yeah, but the Rings of Akerton is beautiful, and this is the thing that Neil Cross did. After he'd written Hyde, and mm. you know, getting ahead of ourselves, but Hyde is, I, I think, just hands down one of the best episodes of Doctor Who I've ever seen. Mm. Um, but and and I, Rings of Akaten is lovely. I, I think possibly a, a little bit slight in comparison to that, but not in comparison to anything else. It's like it's a proper story. I love that idea of things not having like an intrinsic financial value, but having like a psychometric value, mm. you know, it's like of, of experience of stories, you know, that, that kind of stuff and Clara saving the world with a leaf. I, I, I think that's beautiful. Um, I, I, I just think there's a, there's a lot of depth to that and I, I don't get the hatred for it. I really don't. Just overlook them being able to breathe in space on the bike. Oh, <laughs> did anybody think it was a draconian? Oh, I, yeah, briefly. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not. <laughs> to be fair, Keith, it looked exactly like a draconian. <laughs> it wasn't unreasonable. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I wondered at the time, because you know, um, when Series 1 came out and Russell T. Davis had that famous quote about, you know, you've got to link it to Earth and nobody cares about the Zog monsters on the planet Zog and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, whether that is what put people off, that it's, it was completely alien. It wasn't, uh, you know, a human colony. It wasn't, you know, anything like that. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I, I don't get the... Um, yeah. I think sometimes the... somebody thinks it's... Uh, a couple of people agree something's bad and everybody else seems to think, oh, it must be bad then. I think... Yeah, it's weird. I, 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 <clears throat> this happens with films all the time. You know, there's... Um, I, I'm a big fan of... Uh, Brad Bird's John Carter of Mars. Mm. I love Tron Legacy. Uh, there's a Gore Verbinski film of The Lone Ranger, which I think is spectacularly underrated. You know, and they, all these things came out, were absolutely chopped off at the knees by critics, never got anywhere. And you watch them and go, oh, these, are, these are great. These are really fun. These, these have intrinsic value. You know, there's, there's, they're not war crimes. You can you can just like them, you know. But I, I think to to answer your point, Mark, I I think the in the writing of the episode, quite a lot of care is taken to anchor the story to the kid. Is she called Mary or something like that? Mm. And the kid is dependent on Clara. And this is the first one of those, oh, the, the, the first one of those things in, in uh, sort of Clara's occupancy of the TARDIS, where you get the companion being the doctor. So, you know, it's like you, Clara suddenly has a companion and is, is stepping up. Um, so I, I, I think there's all kinds of human levels to it. Uh, you know, the fact that everyone looks a little bit odd. Is the first hint that the uh, TARDIS doesn't like Clara for some reason. He oh, that, yeah, that's funny as well. Mm. And then pays off, you know, has a has a rational explanation later in the series. Yeah. It's high, hide next, isn't it? Cold War. Cold War. Am I right? Is it Cold War next? It is Cold War yeah, next. You're right, yeah. Oh. yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that's the sort of uh, Troutony 
you've got the hats. You've got the hats. Yeah. Ice warriors. Ice warriors. Base under siege stuff. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's great, isn't it? It's like Mark Gatiss, safe pair of hands. You, mm. you know, oh, David Warner's there. Davos C fourth out of. Um, Game of the, game, the, the Game of the Thrones, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I, I mean, I, it's not it's not something I spend ages obsessing about and going back and rewatching, but it's entirely likable. Mm. I mean, the Ice Warrior update is brilliant as well because sometimes they've updated them. Like, I've never been terribly keen on the um, Santaran update, whereas I thought the Ice Warrior one was perfect. Yeah, mm. yeah, really good. And uh, I, I like when you finally get to see him as well. It's all sort of hidden, isn't he? And then the, the last sort of scene with him when you get to see him out of his uh, out of his armor, uh, it's really good. And we got David Warner, who's the second alternative Doctor Who of the season. <laughs> yeah, more yeah. to come. I love it. And the, the, um, to to be to be trivial and shallow about it for a second, production values are amazing mm. in it. It's like at any point you think you're not in a submarine. It's yeah. just like it's really well done. The poor cast been like in cold war for like how many weeks? <laughs> it's been horrible. Yeah, so, they suffered for their art. Yeah, because apparently they can't use very warm water because it steams up the cameras. So every time you see these sexy scenes in showers and stuff, they're all freezing <laughs> tips off, literally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hide after that. Love it. Brilliant. Stone tape mark too. So as I said before, this is this has got the the third Doctor um, little kind of uh, bits and pieces. Um, the doctor's here and nicked off Nigel Neal, and so did this. <laughs> yeah, and what I like about it is, is the, the the doctor is the interfering man from the Ministry who the third doctor yeah. had to contend with in uh, in a lot of his stories. <laughs> was, uh, I've never thought of that yet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good point. <laughs> Verity Lambert's there as well. Yes. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Now it's, it's it's just a beautiful episode. Mm. Well, it's so atmospheric. I mean, it's so yeah. shot perfectly, isn't it? I mean, the bits of the forest are genuinely creepy. The houses. Did somebody say that they've actually used sort of like uh, cameras that could actually use like proper candlelight and stuff like that? They, it was lit. Actually, the set was lit with the lights that were actually on the set. Oh, wow. Good lord! It's like Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon kind of stuff, where he had whole new lenses. Considerably <laughs> less boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keith. Oh, you don't like Barry Lyndon? I like everything Stanley Kubrick ever did. Except for Barry Lyndon. All <laughs> oh, right, then. Except for Barry Lyndon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and a great monster in that as well, because they... Probably uh, really creepy. He's, yeah. He is, but then at the end, um, as, as the story unfolds, just kind of looks a bit kind of goofy as well. It's... Um, it's, it's <laughs> I love the resolution of that. You know, the bit where you think you've got to the end of the story and they do the big wind-up and then he's asking um, Verity Lambert, <laughs> the, the <laughs> empath, about Clara, and she's like, yeah, just a girl. And you go, all right, yeah, we're definitely getting to the end of the story then. And then there's suddenly they... No, hang on. There's the last bit that we have to do, <laughs> which is the, the crooked man stuff. And they kind of get they get into it. They say what they're going to do, and then it just ends up with the doctor there and saying jump, and that's it. That's the yeah. end of the story. That you know, it's it's a lovely way of ending that episode. It's great. I, I, you don't need to see the full thing, do you? you just that, uh, you just get that. Uh, yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I, I just think that there are no missteps in Hyde. I love it. Mm. In Matt Smith. Loved it because it's the only one he actually did a commentary on as well. He was the, he was the one he wanted to talk about. So oh, I love a toggle toggle switch. Yeah. <laughs> <Come back. laughs> 
Such a shame Neil Cross never came back. Yeah. But we did get a few series of Luther, so, you know, hooray! And Hardson. Yes, there was a bit, wasn't there, after um, Stephen Moffat announced he was leaving where everyone said, oh, Neil Cross should totally be the showrunner. It's like, yeah, that's really not going to happen. Mm. <laughs> On two episodes, yeah. <laughs> Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS? Is this um, one that This is the second one. I was going to say, yeah. Is this one? skip over. Also... <laughs> You get to the end and it never happens, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. This is the one I don't like. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, I, I'm sorry, it is a bit annoying. It is my least favourite. The worst plot twist is the Android Invasion. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where I think this one... Uh... <laughs> I'd never, I, honestly, I'd never put that together. But yes, it's like, clearly you know you're not an Android. <laughs> it's like, for the following reasons. <laughs> To go to the toilet occasionally. <laughs> yes, but this is where I think this is the the fourth Doctor homage in the run because I think that is a deliberate. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's a deliberate call to uh, Android Invasion. Again, Mark, I have to say, what a kind and gentle and optimistic, <laughs> sunny soul you are. <laughs> and then the rest of it is the invasion of time, isn't it? Running around yeah. the TARDIS. Uh, I, I prefer I prefer the invasion of time. To be honest, mm, yeah, I like it. Is Invasion of Time the one with the boot cupboard? No. That's uh, Mandragora. Oh, thank you. Seen bigger boot cupboards. And they did have the circles on the walls. I was really quite annoyed by that. I know that's really geeky, but I thought, you've had the perfect opportunity to make a TARDIS interior and there's no circles on the walls. Mm -hmm. A bit like um, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. I thought the the, the future versions that have been all kind of um, burnt up the characters is a bit bit like that yeah but we don't, they don't, they'd already done Sunshine with uh, 42. 42 yeah I really like Sunshine mm. I'm, I'm not a massive Danny Boyle fan uh, to be honest uh, 28 Days Later and Sunshine that's me I'm out <laughs> oh I would have liked to see a James Bond film though yeah I would yeah so we all agreed we're not fans of this one. Yeah, let's, uh, we can we can move on quickly over that oh, one. Oh, come on, Mark, say something good about it. The lads look very nice in their vests at the start. They do. They do. Yes. And sadly, it's Daniel when they get dressed, but apart from that, it was very good up until then. <laughs> yeah, just to say, Good and Gold, I've just written down here, it's on that disc, so suddenly if you were watching everything in order on the disc, suddenly you got uh, Amy back in the original um, console room, bizarrely, on the extras. Oh, bloody hell. A small matter, you think, it's just, why would you put it there? Mm. <laughs> then the best one, Crimson Horror, I love this. It is brilliant, isn't this, it? Yeah. It's like Carry On Screaming meets Moonraker. Yeah. yeah. Definitely my favourite Mark Gatiss story. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's a little bit of, you know, if, if, if following the pattern, there's mention of Tegan, isn't there, and Heathrow, which is uh, oh, sort of links oh, it a little bit to the... <laughs> There's no idea why she wanted to go back with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and just just absolutely fantastic. I love the whole setup where you follow the the Paternoster gang as as if it's their series. Uh, yes. Doctor only shown it was about like fifteen twenty minutes in something like that. Yeah, and in a wonderful flashback which I adore as well, sort of like the, the cinematograph sort of. Oh, yes. Beautifully. It's done, nice for it? Janie to do a bit more as well. She tends to be a bit in the background compared to the monsters, and mm. she gets a good chunk of it as well, which is brilliant. Yeah, and, and, and she's and, sort of like dressed like Emma Peel opposite yeah, the actress plays oh, Emma Peel, which is 
quite right. Yes, yeah. good old uh, conscious Avengers homage. The Doctor wearing the baller hat. I wondered if that was. Um... Or a steed rub. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a reference there as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's what, I, it's what I really like about Mark Gatiss is that you you know it's kind of whatever you watch anything or read anything he's written, it's just like a synthesis of things you already like. Yeah. But he sort of he brings extra stuff to it. And if you if you didn't know who'd written this, as soon as you saw the chap who was playing the um, the bloke in the mortuary, you think that's a Mark Gatiss character. You can just imagine <laughs> yeah. him playing that. From that moment on, you knew who'd written it. Mm. Because, yeah. Uh, his delight in the macabre in that bit was he's brilliant. No, and yeah, I've watched this one time and time again. And I, am I right in thinking he's novelising this as well? Um, yeah, I think the uh, the next run of Target Box that comes out in March is um, is, is one of the ones that uh, this is one of them. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Mm, yeah, as an avid McCoy fan, were you disappointed that Mister Sweet wasn't the Candyman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is one of the things I was happy to spot. Because uh, I, I, I sort of come from that part of the world, you know, sort of north north of England, is that it was um, it seemed to be a tip of the hat to Titus Salt and Salt Air, you know, this this. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think named for Matthew Sweet as well. Ah, um, oh, right. Oh, that's I nice. It, yeah. Love Matthew Sweet. Yeah. And loved how smutty the Tardis had got at the end as well. I thought. It's like from the dust, it was meant to be like from the uh, dark satanic mills and all the smoke and everything, wasn't everything was like covered in grime by the end of the story. Mm. I've heard people complaining about the man fainting all over the place. I thought, why? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's a Victorian sort of thing, isn't it? Um, but with, uh, you know, women kind of swooning and stuff like oh, that. Oh, swooning every five seconds. Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Have you no, ever read it's... the Sherlock Holmes story? I have. I'm, even, I'm not amazed by the amount of brandy that gets poured down people's throats. <laughs> oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs> but he blinks too suddenly to get brandy poured down. I mean, you, could, you could do like a Sherlock Holmes drinking game. Every time have some, if you sort of kept up with the amount of brandy being drunk, <laughs> he wouldn't get past about the fourth story, would he? Uh, it's medicinal, you see. It was, um, it was medicine in those days. Because he didn't have proper medicine. There's anything missing in this story, not enough brandy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love it. looks absolutely I think, brilliant. I think well. Doctor Who generally, generally, apart from a brief period in John Pertwee's era, has sort of frowned on drinking, hasn't it? Yeah. It, was a, it was a bit in the 70s where it was get as much cheese and wine down you as you can. <laughs> and that is it's back to ginger pop and jelly babies. Oh. Nightmare in Silver? Now, tell That's me... Underrated. Tell me why people do not like this. It's terrific. I think the expectation was so high... After the Doctor's wife, it was always going to be an anticlimax for people because I think it was oh, built on such a pedestal mm. about what it was going to be. There's so much good stuff in it. It's I unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, Matt Smith probably hasn't been better. I mean, his dual performance as Mr. Clever, is it? And the yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's terrific. And there's that whole... And this again, this is uh, planting the seeds of something at the beginning of an episode with his golden ticket... Um, and then, you know, kind of one of the ways he briefly defeats Mr. Clever is by slapping a golden ticket mm. on the Cyberman side of his face. You know, having explained to the Cyber... Uh, oh, I've forgotten his name again, not Cyber Controller, the Cyber... The Clever, Siberian? 
So, yeah, and, and having explained to him that, you know, Cybermen used to succumb to things like cleaning fluid and gold, and you're still running some of that code. And he mm. says, oh, what, are you going to get me with cleaning fluid? He goes, nope, gold, and slaps the golden ticket on the side of his face. Goes, yes, this is, this is terrific. I love the um, – I don't I – don't, one of my favorite things when I was growing up as a kid, and one of the reasons I love Doctor Who, I, you know, I love stuff like Time Slip and uh, Tomorrow People and things like that. Uh, one of the reasons I love Doctor Who was there were no kids in it, right? It was oh. four, it was four kids, but it didn't have children in it, um, and that that was tremendous. So, you know, I, I kind of was a bit resistant to the inclusion of kids, but they're fantastic in it, Artie, and I, oh, I think name. it's really annoying. Oh, but th- they're no, supposed to. Be. All she does is moan. I'm so yeah. glad she gets grabbed. <laughs> but they're supposed to, but I, you know, they're like the who were those kids in the you know the the early Doctor Who strips? Not John Gillian. 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 Yeah. Yes, they're they're like that. There's a bit really early on in the story where Clara says, "Right, we have to go home now because they're tired." He says, "No, well, no, we have to stay and sort this out. Everyone just go to sleep." That's beautiful. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone just go. All right, we have to have a nap. In the middle of a yeah. story, I, 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 just the, having a nap in the middle of an action adventure story. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love the uh, the gradual revelation of who you know who Porridge is and what mm. he does. Um, I love I, this is another one of Clara stepping up. Uh, you know, she she's sort of ordering the soldiers around. Um, no, I, I, I just I, I don't think this is Duff. And I, 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 I don't get the hostility towards it. Also, also the, there seems to be um, quite a lot of stuff that comes back to us. So the Siberiad, is that new here, Keith? I believe so, yeah. And, and one of the characters is called Missy as well. Yo, blimey. That's a bit kind of on, on the nose. Comedy um, Castle isn't very funny. It's really well lit. It's a beautiful looking thing. It's, you know, it is like being in Disneyland at night. You know, they, they, they get that whole vibe stuff. It's, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I, 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 I don't get the hostility. Yeah, well, on the grand rewatch, I have to say, I couldn't see what, what people had against it. I mean, mm. it's, uh, and the same, uh, Matt Smith is absolutely stunning in it. So. Oh yeah. What did you think, Mark? No, I, same. I, I love it. I think it's great fun. And, um, yeah, I don't like, with uh, Rings of Akitan, don't really understand why why people don't enjoy it. And, but I think I've seen even Neil Gaiman walk away from it a little bit. Yeah, on, yeah. On Twitter, but did he uh, get sort of bullied into that he, uh, just by the, the fan reaction? Yeah, I think I don't it wasn't know. quite well rewritten, though, wasn't it? He talks about the fact that he wasn't there at the tone meetings in the way that he was for the Doctor's wife, and felt that it didn't represent his vision or something like that. Okay, um, but no, I. Um, yeah, and I, I really like that new Cyberman design as well. Yeah, yeah. Really uh. Well, they, they quickly forget that they can move really fast, don't they? <laughs> when <they're attacking. laughs> There's no story, really. They're indestructible, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but no, now, because is there not a bit in it where the Doctor says, you know, that, that you, can't, you can't do anything with me because I'm not human? And Cybermen can only regenerate humans, and they go. Now we can just regenerate all organic uh, matter now, which just feels like it's led the way to where we are with um, Jody's stories now. Mm-hmm. No, hey, <laughs> I'm sensing a no from you. No, I, I couldn't remember I was that bit. Genuinely thinking about it, I think. Yeah, but mm. to be honest, I always kind of assume that they would sort of like um, 
I almost said assimilated, convert to any race really, but I might be A, getting mixed up with the Borg and B, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I, I always assumed they, they would convert anybody really, so um, it hadn't occurred to me prior to that. Mm. Yeah. Also, Mondasians, not really humans anyway, are they? No. Sorry, that came, that came across a bit Nigel Farage, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not, not you know, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying what everyone thinks, right? <laughs> I'm not anti Mondasian, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. They do, they very short you know I mean? Got a different culture, haven't they? Oh, I wish I hadn't started this. This is very distasteful. <laughs> Should we move on to the name of the Doctor? Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's brilliant! I remember, right, at the beginning of 2013, um, which is probably when I started this fucking figurine collection, which is never (laughs) the end. I remember thinking, ooh, they're not doing very much about the anniversary are they it's like oh, months have gone by i'm not hearing anything and then suddenly you get this run of stories then you get the name of the doctor then you get the day of the doctor then you get the time of the doctor and you get to the end and go yeah absolutely hats off standing ovation for all of that that was really good mm. the the opening to this um with the when you when you get to see the classic doctors i absolutely oh. love it the music oh, is amazing God. Astonishing! It's uh, it's fantastic, and even that the, the uh, it, it's some of the less celebrated stories that we see, isn't it? It's Dragonfire and the Ark of Infinity <laughs> and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quite enjoy that. That uh, they they don't read the classics, do they? <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I think possibly at this point, because um, I've never really worried too much about casual viewers i think casual viewers pick stuff up i don't I definitely yeah people are not stupid you know they are if you treat them like they are but they're not basically yeah. um but I, I i was this the point at which people are going oh what's the casual viewer supposed to make of this this is very complicated and confused and you know it's like no it's not so you just pay attention to what they're telling you you'll understand it and enjoy it yeah Casual viewers are aware there have been other doctors. That's basically all you need to know, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I always think that you watch American TV. There's a bunch of cultural references that just go over your head, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't impact on your enjoyment particularly. You just you just get the the, the rest of the jokes and the other bits that um, mm. that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Was this was this a, a happy period, Doctor Who wise, for you too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, well, I really enjoyed this whole series. The fiftieth was coming up, so that was uh, that was exciting. I got to go to the uh, the big celebration at XL. Um, yeah, fantastic. I, I loved all this. And we've just seen Paul McGann, haven't we? Oh yes. yeah, Night of the Doctor. Yeah. Oh no, I, I, that, that was to come, wasn't it? I've got that wrong. No, he was still to come, wasn't he? But we've got John Hurt in this, and then we like right. a few weeks. That 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 is yeah. such a. a astonishing coup de theatre at the end of that where it just goes yeah. introducing, introducing just and John Hurt as the Doctor <laughs> at which point no, the that was the name of the Doctor was John Hurt that yes was. I remember that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah, that yeah people think casual views, I yeah. don't know how true that was I said because they claimed that was the game no, that I, was I, amazing I, 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 I was um, 
at that point, uh, sorry, you, you just reminded me about the Paul McGann thing, Keith. The um, oh gosh, what is it? It's the Night of the Doctor, isn't Night. it? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't recall that being trailed. I don't recall it being pre-announced. I, I was working on my computer, and some stuff came through on Twitter saying, "Click this link now. Don't don't look at anything. Just mm-hmm. click this link now." And clicking it and getting uh, the Night of the Doctor, and j- just not expecting it, going from zero miles per hour to holy moly, they did that. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, it was it was such a happy time and that um, you know constantly when stories are ranked now uh, the day of the doctor comes up you know as the best or one of the best and I think you know given that it just seemed to come from nothing Stephen Moffat talks about the chaos involved in writing it it's like that's it just seems to be some sort of pinnacle you know it's like the acme of a thing that I love and I you know I, I felt at the time like I had no right to it um and it it, it, it was just it was superb just absolutely brilliant and it, it just it crowned this whole series off for me beautiful mm. I see in the uh, the next steel book the name of the doctor is repeated in that it's basically a re-release of the um, they did like a, 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 a limited edition box set thing which had got this in it and all the other of the doctors in oh, it. Oh yes, I got that. It, it, it's yeah. time and space. So the re- yeah. that next steel book is going to be that re-released. Oh, fabulous! I got that because it had um, Adventure in Time and Space on Blu-ray, which at the time I don't know if you still can't get it. No, but it's the old way of getting time. on HD. Yeah. And, I had to set the only way to get the five ish doctors as well yes. on uh, any yeah. sort of um, yeah. uh, physical media. Mm. Sad, sadly, my disc of the after party was missing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure, Mark, that'll turn up on the Blu ray extra, won't it? <laughs> I love I'm still that from my recorded off the TV VHS. Oh, oh. I had it recorded and I deleted well, it. Look, I've never watched it again. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I bought that box set um, just to get, you know, Adventure in Time and Space in HD. And then I had to buy, separately buy again uh, The Day of the Doctor in 3D because um, I've got a 3D TV set up. And it's just, it looks so good in 3D. I adore it. Yeah. I thought of the pictures and then coming out of it, um, it was going to be a second screening. It was all the people waiting to see the second screening. So me and my friends were making up all these uh, spoilers, <laughs> just like inventing stuff. Like, uh, all of it was nice, was really good and stuff like that. They, they apparently got that, so we thought, actually, they'll have watched it at home before coming out, won't they? So we <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. You, weren't, you weren't just going, apparently Darth Vader is Doctor Who's dad. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tweaked them, oh, well, I've actually have seen it, won't they? So <laughs> it wasn't quite the same. But it was a, it was a great year that was, and it was so exciting. And we, yeah. we had that, we had um, those stories being returned. I mean, it, that seemed mm-hmm. impossible, and there they were. Yeah, it was a great time, wasn't it? Happy days, not like today, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to keep my Blu-ray box set of the of the uh, the one that's, that's coming out because I got um, Mark Gatiss to sign the the disc for uh, Adventure in Space and Time. And wow. I got Paul McGann yeah. to sign the Night of the Doctor one and stuff. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll need to keep all of that. And um, uh, I'll, probably, yeah. I'll probably still get the steelbook anyway. But. Oh, proper fun. Proper fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a nice picture of the War Doctor on the cover, that looks like. Mm. 
Yeah, and the uh, the back cover's got the, uh, the the TARDIS smashing through the wall and um, and, and oh, yeah. Alex. I've, I've got that as my uh, lock screen on my phone. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Lee Binding picture, isn't it? Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Is, that, is, it, is this, that another thing that Mel is delighted about? Uh, well, indifferent, I think. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, as in I don't have a, a picture of her on lock screen, you mean? Well, slightly what I was driving at, but you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's your conscience, mate. <laughs> like, has it just dawned on you that that was a possibility? <laughs> Maybe swap it for her and the dog. You know, yeah. Mel, 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 look at my new lock screen. It's a macra. <laughs> I can look at her any time I want. Though we've been in lockdown since March. <laughs> I've never met the transient nature of relationships. (laughs) Mark, you're the best of us, you really are. (laughs) Oh, fabulous. (laughs) Anyway, as we feel into our dotage and Mark heads towards towards his divorce. Have we everything to do on the name of the doctor? I used to think I could look at her any time I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've just got a photo of the TARDIS. (laughs) You'll learn... You let us know what, at the ideal jumping off point, don't you? I don't, I don't feel we can leave it here. <laughs> in, in summary, I, I really like Series 7. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Asylum of the Daleks, probably my favourite. Crimson Horror, highly rated. What, any, any particular favourites for you guys? Yeah, hide. Mm. Yeah, definitely it's got a good a good hit rate this one Mm. yeah I mean the the only two as as I said earlier that I I would potentially skip in a rerun are uh, Town Called Mercy and Journey to the Centre of the Heart of the Middle of the TARDIS and even then if I watched them I wouldn't be sad that I'd watched them Mm. Let's face it, a modern story is, what, 42 minutes? You can kind of survive that. You're not talking about, like, a six-part thing where you've... you've <laughs> You're not talking about, not about Barry Lyndon, are you? Oh, God. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as that. What? what? <laughs> Sorry, this is genuinely your position on Barry Lyndon, that nothing is as bad as it. Well, no, I mean, you could get your legs bitten off by a shark or something, but that wouldn't be worth right, it. Right, so one thing... We're trapped in a burning building or nibbled to death. Now there are two things. There are two things that are worse than Barry Lyndon, because <laughs> I think you can keep going, Keith. Well, it ranked fairly highly with that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure uh, discussing these stories with you. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. I, I, I'm sorry for disgracing myself once again. <laughs> I don't know how I did, but I almost in, invariably did. Not at all. Uh, not at all. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yes, thank links. you, Mark. I hope you can use some of this. <laughs> <laughs> Trim down to a neat 15 minutes. <laughs> it might be the power of three of, of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. 
I heard Keith, Keith say is terribly difficult to work with. <laughs> I will put links in the show notes to where we can find you guys on Twitter and uh, we can find the Highlanders podcast. And okay. uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>